Kaikido there, and welcome to the rewrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a cilia package. I am Glenn ZB. And uh, this morning we uh, have got house prices. Yes, Mike's talking about house prices again. Um, we've got car-free Wellington. Looks like that's coming. And uh, we'll try and drive down K Road as well, which is proving difficult too. But before any of that, is vaccine hesitancy uh, going to put the world back on hold again? So here is one of the many questions around the vaccine rollout. The WHO still has to work out, they tell us, what we require by way of numbers for herd immunity. But they say at this point it's north of 80%. So a poll out this week in Australia has hesitancy at 26%. That's people most likely not getting the jab. Now that number is down, but not much. We're learning several things about being jabbed, not least of which appears to be the fact it doesn't get you anything. I mean, obviously, if you're frail and or old, it stops you dying or ending up in hospital. But for many people, that isn't or has never been the issue. So you can't travel per se. You still need to quarantine. There appear no particular rules around what you can and can't do once you're jabbed. Offshore, there are workplaces asking you for verification, but they don't seem to be able to take it any further than that. In other words, they can't make you get vaccinated. So the big question around this, both here and indeed everywhere, is... What's the end goal? What's the plan? What needs to be achieved before we are back to normal? For this country, obviously, it's the borders. When do the borders reopen? What needs to have happened? When can we travel with no MIQ? When can someone come here with no MIQ? How long do those rules last? What's the vaccine rate? What happens if we need booster shots? What's being handed out by way of proof that you have been jabbed? And here's the big one. If herd immunity is at 80% plus and countries can't get beyond 75, then what? What's the answer? What are we doing about it? Even the countries with good rollouts, the much vaunted states in Britain, aren't at 80%. What if they never get there? What if they open then with less than 80%? Where does that leave us? Needless to say, there appear no answers because needless to say, it doesn't appear anyone's really thought about it, or at least if they have, there don't appear to be any thoughts going forward. What you might not have noticed, because times like that, is that this thing is now well past a year well over a year, and we're halfway through 2021. We've already written off this year, the entire year for borders. Australia's talking well into 2022. What's the bet at the rate we're going? We'll be here same time next year asking the same question. Yes, it's very frustrating, isn't it? You know, all these countries, their vaccine rollouts racing along, racing along, racing along, and then they hit the idiots. And when you hit an idiot, you just bounce back, don't you? Like a running into a rubber wall. It's really annoying. Uh, another thing that I find annoying is the amount of time Mike Hosking spends talking about house prices. Uh, but anyway, not much you can do about it. It's his show, I suppose. Betcha Grant ruse the day he dragged Adrian into the house market. Having failed to get a grip on housing the way he promised and still thinking the government controls everything, he wrote to Adrian and eventually forced him into taking housing into account when he set the cash rate. Now, Adrian is a sticky beak, of course, and a panicker, so he thinks that if you borrow a lot, you're exposed to a bubble bursting and therefore carnage is going to hit housing. The retail banks, of course, who have been profitable, some say wildly so, not only through the GFC but COVID as well, know what they're doing. They're not lending to people who can't pay, and yet Adrian has now roped Grant into debt-to-income programs that will, irony of ironies, further scupper any idea Grant had of, quote-unquote, tilting the housing market towards the first-home buyer. Grant wants the debt-to-loan program to only apply to investors. Adrian says, sucked in, it applies to everybody. So guess what? Average house in Auckland, Tauranga, Wellington, so on, a million bucks. You need, with LVRs, 20%. 20% is $200 by way of a deposit. Who in the first home buyer into the market has got $200,000? No one. And, and, and even if you did, 
Even if mum and dad came into the party, you'll need $800,000 by way of a mortgage. If you're on a good wage, you'll get that. Well, you would have until Adrian turned up and stuck his nose in. So now you don't have the deposit and you can't get a loan. So just what I mean, what part of that is helping or tilting the housing market towards the first home buyer? Uh, the policies, as we discussed yesterday, as a result of this week's Real Estate Institute stats, not only haven't worked, the very same policies are now actively working against having them work. Just work that through for a moment, decipher this level of madness. You announce a policy to help a group of people. One, the policy doesn't work. And two, you then add to the policy to actively make it not work. Is that the same definition of madness or what? Everyone agrees house prices, of course, are moving up too fast. But the mistake is, one, thinking a government can change that. And two, actually dreaming up policies that make it worse. You cannot make this stuff up. In many respects, in terms of delivery and ineptitude, this outranks KiwiBuild now because the damage with this one has been far greater and is far more widespread. Housing is this government's nightmare not to mention Achilles' heel. You see, the challenge is, uh, you know, to for I mean, for Mike is is him talking about house prices today. Can he make that sound different to him talking about house prices yesterday? Challenge for me is uh, when he does it twice in the morning. Uh, can I listen hard enough to detect the difference myself? Mike, ASB already implemented a six DTI, a six times DTI behind the scenes for new lending applications. I've got no idea whether that's true or not, but it's a very good point you make. The point being, as I pointed out before the news, banks know what they're doing. They're not idiots. They don't need Adrian breathing down their neck every second day. Mike, the debt-to-loan numbers should be two-stepped. First, for home buyers, this could be, say, 10 to 12, but for their investment properties, 4 to 6. This would reflect the extra risk and debt to the borrower incurring. It's a very good point, and I don't know that it's not necessarily potentially going to turn out that way. Mike, I can't fault everything you say about the government and the Reserve Bank's efforts in the housing market. However, what's the solution? Can you get someone on your program that's got the magic wand? Well, Richard, no, the answer is we can't, because there is no magic wand, and that is the key to understanding the housing market. The moment you think there's a magic wand, like Grant does, you've made the mistake. The housing market marches to its own... I mean, you can do a lot of specific stuff, of course. Interest rates are the biggest player. I mean, and interest rates are interest rates for very good reasons at the moment and will be for a sustained period of time. World's buggered, and so money has to be cheap. So there's nothing you can do about that. But the other thing you learn in fifth-form economics is that you cannot touch one part of the economy without affecting another. So yes, you want to have low interest rates because you want money out into the marketplace doing stuff to save us all from ourselves. But one of the outworkings of that is the first thing you're going to do with that free money is go buy a house. There's nothing you can do around it. Build more houses, obviously, but if the government's got the settings that you can't bring in enough people to build the houses, then you're not going to be building them. And then you've got timber issues and the cost of, and so it goes, and that's before you get to the RMA and the compliance costs and all of that. So you can do stuff. They're just not doing the stuff they could or should be doing fast enough. And the rest is the market. The market will do what the market does. You see, this is one of those situations where my, my head starts spinning around, 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 and I just get dizzy and I want to fall over and I can't even remember what he was talking about in the first place. And that was because he was trying to explain something to me, not because he was just telling me something. God knows what's going to happen when the GDP comes out today and he's back on that tomorrow. Um, now, uh, we, we've got uh, infrastructure problems in many cities around New Zealand, famously a, a few problems in Wellington, and now they're going to solve them by just removing all the cars altogether. Can I just congratulate the Wellington City Council? Talk about futurists. Unbelievable. Uh, reported this morning that uh, basically all of downtown Wellington is going to be car-free within three years. So we've told you before it's going to be car-free. In theory, they sort of got on board with that for reasons best known to themselves. 
Um, but now it's three years, so they've sorted they're going to do it. Uh, priority instead will be given to people travelling on foot, bike or bus. And the footpaths will be widened by up to 75 centimetres. There'll be bus-only lanes, one in each direction. Bus lane Dublay, Manor Street, Courtney Place, Lambton Quay, Willis Street. You hold downtown. Is that so they can run people over twice as fast? Is it? I don't know what it's for. It's just like, it's been strongly opposed by the retailers. Hmm. Wonder why. Because they thought, I wonder if I want to go bankrupt. No, I probably don't. There'll be hundreds turning up on the bus, though, won't there? <laughs> well done, Wellington. Can they get some um, concrete troughs with <laughs> get the flowers in as, streets as well? alive? I, I, do you, did you see? I don't know if you saw in the background behind Biden this morning. Go, go and have a was little look at alive, it. Was that streets alive? Was it? Um, it looked like the streets alive people had been, and they'd put, <laughs> they'd put a whole lot of concrete troughs with flowers behind him. I wondered if they were the ones that oh, Gore doesn't want anymore. Dear, from Tikawiti to Geneva, eh? So well done, Wellington. Congratulations. Downtown, no cars, just people on foot and on buses. And we'll see how that goes for you, shall we? Can I just, just before you complain, anyone who was offended by my comment about the buses running people over, I didn't mean to offend anybody. I meant to terrify everybody with that comment. I meant to scare the bejesus out of you because I'm hoping that it's not too late to stop that from happening. But this is nothing we can really do. Meanwhile, back in Auckland, a lot of holes in the ground here as well. I was driving through that this morning. I got waylaid off the motorway. What a miserable place it is at 3 o'clock in the morning, K-Road. A lot of pissed people falling over. None of them are going to work later on this morning. I mean, I thought, what are you doing out on a Thursday morning, you losers? And... You know, waiting. Did you yell that out the window as you drove past? No, in all honesty, I I felt momentarily fearful. There's a number of them there you look at and you think this this could turn ugly like that. Are there any cops around? No. It's a wet, cold, miserable Thursday morning. People lying about on the footpath. This is three o'clock in the morning. I mean, get a lot. I feel like you should have kept the top up. (laughs) Yes. um, It's almost like he was worried he was going to be carjacked. I mean, this is... At the end, I mean, it's still Auckland. It's not Soweto. You know what I mean? Um, I don't re- really think, as long as you've got the central locking on, it should be all right. Um, I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, that was the rewrap for Thursday. Uh, assuming you managed to get safely back into your car again, if that's where you're listening to this. I'll see you back here again tomorrow. Do you, do you, are you listening to this podcast in your car? It's where I listen to my podcast.